From the Polium Center for Contemporary Media at DePaul University, I'm JNP, and this is Modern Media. If you are the reporter covering something, not only are you going to be writing about it or producing something, you're also going to be expected to understand something so well that you can really break it down in a conversational way. My hope is that you'll keep reading on after you watch. My guest today is Dana Ferguson. Dana is the political reporter for the Argus Leader in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where she covers the State House. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Thank you. So um, you're a fairly recent college graduate, uh, somebody who you, you graduated in 2014, right? That is correct. That yep. is correct. All right. I guess I'll start with the obvious question. You know, for someone your age growing up in the, in the environment you grew up in, the media environment that you grew up in, what attracted you to print journalism first? Yeah, um, I was really attracted to the ability to do a lot more long form or deep investigative journalism. Um, I liked some of the ideas of television reporting or radio reporting, uh, but felt like there weren't always the opportunities to do long investigations, sort of in-depth stories in that same way. Um, sorry, I'll make sure my microphone's working here too. Um no, but I really liked that. And growing up in Minneapolis, uh, we had the Star Tribune at our house every day. So I enjoyed seeing that in high school. Um, I had a really great journalism teacher, so she helped us put together the paper every so often. And I really enjoyed that and enjoyed having sort of the beats or the sections um, rather than just doing sort of breaking news or general assignment news all the time. Um, and then obviously came to DePauw and got very involved with the DePauw here, worked as a news reporter, co-news editor, uh, managing editor, editor-in-chief eventually, and really enjoyed the process of starting up with just ideas for what a story could look like, um, reporting them out, and then putting together a story, and then putting it in print with a photo or an illustration that really goes with that. And now I'm very fortunate I get to continue to do that. Um, and I would say it's definitely not the same emphasis of print first. Mm -hmm. um, for us, it's absolutely more about digital first. And that's what our editors tell us every day. Don't worry about the paper so much as getting something up online and making it attractive to web viewers, which is obviously very different. Mm. So uh, when that, I'm going to pick up on that. What does that mean to, say, make it attractive to web viewers? Is there mm -hmm. something very different about that? I think there is. You, My sense is that you write a little bit differently for someone who's going to click on your web story than pick it up in print, potentially. There's, for us at least, a lot more of a conversational value. And I think I'm hopeful that for millennials that's going to be something that's more attractive, sort of being able to read into something that's a little bit easier um, or just more inviting than a hard news lead. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a time and a place for both. But if you can start out more of a conversation with your reader um, and just slowly get them into the story you're hoping to tell, that can be a lot better at getting them excited about something like the state budget or um, just something a little less exciting to talk about. 
that's really interesting to me that you would have a, a slightly different style to your writing for for the web than for the print edition. I always imagined that well, the web edition will just be the print edition on the computer instead of in my hand. But it sounds like actually no, there's a slightly different approach to to writing leads to the way you structure the story, as you said, to get readers who are maybe used to a different kind of format. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I think so. Yeah, and we do a lot of work with that. We're able to work with online metrics so we can see how many people click on each story, how long they stay with it. And you can then go back and say, okay, so about paragraph six, that's where I lost them. What is it about this amount of the story that worked? And then beyond that, what didn't work? Um, And is there something here that was uh, deterring them from moving on? Or was it really just these top six paragraphs that had everything they wanted and then cut them out and how can we sort of extend that intrigue a little bit to keep them interested in this story longer? Well, that's really interesting. I mean, so do you use something like Chartbeat? Uh, yeah, we do. do. Okay, yeah. so so Chartbeat, so for our listeners who don't know what that is, can you explain that? Sure. Um, Chartbeat is sort of a web program that lets you look at um, sort of how people are accessing your website, whether it's through social media or clicking on your website's homepage. And then it shows you how many people are looking at your story at any given time, the average retention time, and sort of just general information about who's reading, how long they're reading, how they got there. Um, And obviously this is really helpful at a time when uh, newspapers especially are trying to move very much to the online world and get advertising that way to know what our readers want to read about um, and how we can best construct stories to keep them um, or put in photo galleries or videos or something like that to make sure they are spending a lot of time uh, reading and staying with us and clicking on to other stories that might be related once they're on our page. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's definitely something that's different to me. Um, Not every news company works that way, but... I think it's been really interesting to see that model and it makes sense for deciding how am I going to spend my day today? What is going to benefit the world as far as getting information out there that's important? Uh, But also, what is something that our readers want to know? How can we headline it in such a way that they're going to say, oh, that matters to me. I want to know about this. That's, you know, it's really interesting to me because my initial response to Chartbeat when I first heard about it was, mm, I don't know, this seems like it's just, you know, you're trying to find out what's the most popular story. But as you're speaking about it, it strikes me is that there's a, there's a value in this in terms of writing and engagement with audiences. So in some ways, it's like a built-in, um, it's, a, it's almost like a, a built-in critique that, you know, this is where you're losing readers. And there's something here that you can shift a little bit to make your writing more engaging or whatever right. it is. So rather than just, oh, this is, you know, we need more stories about, you know, lost kittens. But it's not that. It's more about we need people to stay with the story longer. Right. Um, and I think there is definitely something to be said about having an editorial staff that knows, too, has a sense of journalistic integrity and a good sense of ethics and knows we're not going to exclusively write about every single crime story because sure people are will have an interest in those things but you need some of the dry stuff too you need to write about the budget but that 
requires something extra from the reporter in saying, okay, how do I break this down in a way that tells people this matters, here's why it matters, here's why you should care, um, and how do I headline it in a way that draws people in rather than saying the budget is X, Y, Z, teachers aren't going to get the same amount of money this year because of this, read more. Yeah. Um, I, I was. I wanted to talk to, I was looking through some of your work um, online and I noticed one story was about a fairly recent story. You were covering a, sound like a, like a murder trial or mm-hmm. something, and you were doing video on the website. So there was the story that you had written, but there was also a video of you out in front of the courthouse um, on a very windy day. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear it in the microphone. But um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, because as a you know, I don't. As a print journalist, is it is it um, is that a burden, or is that just something that's expected now? How does that work? Yeah, um, and that was something that's been pretty different to me. Um, I think coming out of Depay had the expectation that I would be writing, potentially f- doing some photography and live tweeting, but not so much the idea that I would become the brand for my own reporting. Um, So it's been different and requiring a little bit more uh, conscious decision-making about what I choose to wear or something on a given day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there definitely is the expectation that if you are the reporter covering something, not only are you going to be writing about it or um, producing something, you're also going to be expected to explain it to your Facebook Live audience. And that... I think can be a really good thing because that forces you to understand something so well that you can really break it down in a conversational way and tell your readers, hey, here's the gist of what happened, Um, here's the play-by-play, and you're going to want to read more about this and get down to some of the really important context, but I can give you a sense of this. And then my hope is that you'll keep reading on after you watch. I heard a uh, nice definition of critical thinking the other day, which was the ability to summarize what someone else was saying. And I thought, well, that's, it's a little narrow, but um, I like that idea that you should be able to take anything that's complex and summarize it for somebody so that they can understand it. And in some ways that kind of training, um, that one might get at a, in college is maybe even um, as valuable as the training that one gets in, say, a journalism school, like here's how to write a lead properly, um, which is not what not the only thing journalism school does. But, um, but that, that ability to translate to your audience and then have to do it in video and, and on social media. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up on something you said, which was um, the, your brand. It's not the first time I've heard a reporter talk about uh, doing social media and other things under their brand. And can you talk a little bit about how you you have to think about that? Not in necessarily like a commercialized way, it sounds like, but just an, an identity that you need to communicate to your audience. Can you talk a little bit about how you, how you do that? Yeah. Um, so my sense of that is I have a group of readers um, or followers who want to know the most up-to-date information about South Dakota politics and state government. Um, And I want to make sure that on a daily basis, I'm having a conversation with them through Twitter, through Facebook, through my stories online, um, or any other platform that might be 
helpful, whether it's connecting with them in person or any format that it comes through, um, to make sure that I am giving them the best, most up-to-date information that I can, um, and then hearing them when they give sort of feedback about, well, here's what I think, here's what I think, here's what I want to know about now that you've told me this. Um, And I think it's a scary thing at face value to say, you know, I am my own brand now and I need people to buy into me or to care about what I have to say. But I think what's most important about it is just being a strong reporter, being a good journalist and wanting people to have information because they absolutely deserve good reporting and Um, I think that's true of anyone. You know, it's interesting. We talk about it today in terms of branding and all that kind of thing as if as if this is a relatively new thing. But, um, you know, even when I was growing up, our local paper and our local TV stations had writers that you wanted to read. Mm -hmm. For me, it was in the sports page. There were writers I wanted to read and or people on TV I like to see. Um, And so they had their brands. It just wasn't so overt in terms of the world of social media. So I'm always a little bit suspicious when people get angry at journalists by saying, well, you're too focused on your brand. Well, journalists have always had kind of a brand, right? Um, You're a writer and you're trying to reach your audience. And it seems to me it's really about communicating Mm -hmm. and establishing a relationship. Yeah, no, I would certainly agree with you. And um, I think it is just very important to have that connection through social media or otherwise taking phone calls or letters or whatever uh, from readers, just so you always have a good sense of what do you want to know about? How can I help you understand that better? Am I doing okay at sort of translating what you're telling me into what you're getting every day in our content um, and making sure that not only is it there, but it's accessible and it's provided through sort of different formats that really help you understand these deeper issues and why they matter. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back with more of our conversation with Dana Ferguson. So you filed a story this morning. You've been here since last night and you filed a story this morning. I filed two. You filed two (laughs) stories this morning. So you you wrote a story. um, The one I saw today was um, about the San Francisco travel ban, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I guess I wonder if you could just take us through as a sort of contemporary journalist. How do you how do you take us on a journey about how you uh, construct that story and how you work on it, how you do it from a distance, all that kind of stuff? Sure. Um, So just for some background, my beat is largely in politics, state government. Um, I was out at the South Dakota uh, State House for the past probably two and a half months during the legislative session. Um, and a fun fact also, uh, though everyone outside of South Dakota thinks the capital is Pierre, it's actually pronounced Pierre. <laughs> fun thing to know. Um, if you ever go, you'll sound like an expert. Um, no, so we had a good amount of follow-up reporting to do just because over the course of that time there were many many bills passed some were more controversial than others among the more controversial um, was senate bill 149 which dealt with uh, setting up protections for religious adoption or foster care agencies if they choose to have a policy that says you know 
we don't want to adopt to parents who might be same-sex couples or who are not Christian. So on its own, that's a process, a debate that happens a couple times over in the state house. Um, the governor signed the bill, uh, I believe, two weeks ago now. Um, and then in the follow-up, obviously the city of San Francisco had a conversation about that and said that is something that we feel meets the threshold of being uh, unacceptable to us and to our policy, which says we're not going to send our people anywhere that has a policy like that or a law like that. So South Dakota, you're going to be on the list of five states now that have enacted laws that seem to be discriminatory to LGBT people. Um, So I'd heard a little bit about that last week, got some follow-up from the city administrator's office, I believe on Friday, and knowing what I know about web patterns, Monday morning is the highest traffic time for our website. So I said, I can put this together for Monday morning, get some really good web traffic, and start a conversation about this this week. Mm. I mean, that's fascinating to me. So you not only have this story that's important to the local community, but you're also thinking about the the way it's going to reach that audience in the most efficient way. And so uh, sort of mobile, you know, your mobility doesn't get in the way of you filing stories that are going to be meaningful at a certain time. Right. I mean, I really, I really think that's a, a sort of useful um, way to think about sort of contemporary journalistic practices. You're not tied necessarily to a very specific uh, news cycle, um, or you can think about the news cycle in different ways. Right. Um, and I'm very lucky, too, to have sort of the, the proper technology to be able to file from almost anywhere um, and just that mobility that can be so nice if I want to have a day where I'm really focused and reporting from home versus in the office where it can sometimes be noisy and distracting. Yeah. <laughs> office is noisy and distracting. <laughs> um, one last question and then I'll let you go. Um, you know, obviously one of the cliches that's going around now you know, is, is that um, – uh, journalism is dying. And of course, we know journalism is not dying. Newspapers are struggling a little bit. Um, what do you think is the, uh, the great uh, calling card for journalism today? Like, what? why should people want to be journalists today? I would hope that there is always going to be that desire to shine light in places where um, it's not always authentically shown and to hold people in power accountable for the decisions they make and the things that they do, especially when they're elected to those positions. Um, I think inherently at a university, too, that's something that needs to happen because obviously every student here is a stakeholder in this institution. They're paying money to be here, and they have every right to know what is happening at every level Um, and how those decisions are going to impact them as students, later as alumni, um, and then as they go out into the world as people and they look back at their alma mater. um, I am hopeful that there is more of a sense of that now, that people are feeling like they want to make sure that they're getting legitimate news, not fake news, (laughs) um, and that they might be more willing to buy into that rather than say, I don't understand why I have to pay to access news online, that they might be more excited about supporting journalism. 
Well, great. Thank you. Dana Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. My guest today has been Dana Ferguson. Dana is the political reporter for the Argus Leader in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where she covers the State House. You can find links to some of Dana's recent work at our website, www.modernmediapodcast.org. Modern Media is a production of the Polium Center for Contemporary Media at DePaul University. You can find episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.